Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 68, If Your Brain Was a Garden. My name is Jessie Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. Our battle buddy moment for today's episode is a Facebook review from Amber Weller, and she says, if you are ready to change your life for the better, then you have come to the right spot. Jessie is just so wonderful. She teaches you in a worry-free, stress-free, non-judgmental way. She teaches you in a way that you can truly understand and grasp. I would recommend her to everyone. Thank you so much for that review, Amber. Another thing I want to mention at the start of this episode is reminding you about Milligram and what an awesome service they provide. I want to say that throughout this podcast, I don't have commercials and I don't have sponsors or anything like that, but I will pick military-based companies from time to time that I want to spotlight, and that's what I'm doing with Milligram right now. And I also want to say that when I choose to share these different businesses with you or different products or services that I'm excited about, it will be products that I use, products that I really stand behind and that I believe in. So just another reminder to go check out milligram.co if you are interested in signing up for their subscription service of having printed photos mailed to your soldier either you know on a weekly basis, every other week, once a month while they're deployed And you'll be able to just very easily, very simply text pictures from your phone. And that's all you have to do. Then they get printed and mailed right to your loved one. And you get that peace of mind of knowing that he's getting mail from home on a regular basis. No matter how frequently you're able to get him mail or care packages, it's all just set up and taken care of. You will love it. Okay, you guys, I'm excited about today's episode. We're talking about if your brain was a garden. And this idea has been several years in the making. It started from a few years ago when we first moved to where we live now. We live on a five acre lot, so we have a really large property and we get these really intense weeds out here. And we also have this big, beautiful garden. So in that first year of living here, I got the garden going and I really do enjoy gardening. And I, with the help of my kids and my husband, got to work on getting the weeds around the property under control. Our home was vacant for over a year, so things like that were a little bit worse than usual, weeds and things like that. So as I worked on my garden and worked on my weeds, I had this phrase play out in my head that I just couldn't believe the places that I would find weeds growing. And the phrase that I would use in my head was, I can't believe weeds are so resilient. You can give weeds almost any circumstance, any environment, and they'll find a place to take root and grow. And that phrase kind of bothered me because I really like the word resilient. As you can see, it's in my coaching practice name and in the title of this podcast. And I think being resilient is a very admirable quality. And so it really bothered me that the main word I was coming up for, for these weeds, which were my enemy, (laughs) weeds are the enemy, uh, was resilient, that weeds were resilient. And I watched how I would cultivate my garden and I had to provide a really ideal environment for the things I was trying to grow, my seeds, my vegetables, flowers, fruit, everything I was trying to grow. It was almost 
like it was more inclined to die than live and that weeds were more inclined to live than die. And I was fighting so hard to get rid of my weeds and fighting so hard to help my little seeds thrive. So fast forward a couple of years, I actually decided to take a few years off of gardening. I decided it was not the season of my life for gardening. It was too much work and I have too many small children and I really enjoy gardening and I know that I will pick that back up at some point, but I set that down so my garden is just big and empty and my weeds are much more manageable because we stay on top of them year after year. That first year was definitely the worst year because they had gotten out of control. So everything in that arena is all just very simple right now. The weeds are easier, the garden, I have no responsibilities in the garden. And one day I heard, I can't remember if it was a podcast or something where someone was talking about this little analogy of what are you growing in the garden of your brain? What are you cultivating? What are the fruits of your labor? What are, you know, just this analogy of our our life and our brain can be represented by this image of a garden. And it was while listening to this that I realized that the secret to that phrase that would bug me, weeds are not resilient. Weeds are default. And I like that so much more because I love the word resilient and I don't want that matched up with weeds. And it makes so much sense to me to know that weeds aren't resilient. Weeds are default. They grow where no one has made a plan for something to grow. They grow where no one has made a plan for them to grow. They just come by default. They just come by the natural state of this planet we live on. Weeds just grow easily and without anyone telling them to. And that's very different than resilient. Resilient is taking challenging circumstances and growing through those circumstances, right? Becoming a stronger person, becoming more of who we want to be through challenging experiences. That is to be resilient. And default is just what happens when nobody cares, nobody plans, nobody does anything. Weeds just happen naturally. They occur naturally. So now I want to continue this analogy with you and with life coaching principles. So as you can imagine, if we're comparing your brain on default, that is your lower brain because that's a, that's a great word for it too, because, you know, so much of our lower brain is happening on a subconscious level, on an autopilot level, that program, that program is just in place and we're not really running it anymore. And so our lower brain does really happen a lot on default. And then comparing that with our higher brain, which is our resilient brain, our intentional brain. So first, just taking a quick look at what a default brain looks like. This is basically just an unmanaged mind. Most of us don't have a completely unmanaged mind or a completely abandoned garden, right? Most of us are doing little things here and there to plan for our life, think somewhat intentionally, have goals, have results they're trying to create. Most of us have quite a bit of that going on. Some of us more than others, some of us less than others. But for the sake of this analogy, we're just going to talk about a brain that's pretty much completely on default and in that unintentional space. And then a brain that is more so being created intentionally, or like I said, a resilient brain. So if your garden is running on default, there is not a plan for this garden. It's more of a let's see what happens situation. This is where the weeds come with no effort and no guidance, no encouragement. They don't need any of that. Now, these weeds I was talking about that grow pretty rampantly on our property when left to their own devices, 
are unlike any I've had anywhere else I've lived. They almost look like a tumbleweed when you let them get really big. They have that round look to them, but they're very pokey. They really hurt. And the other thing that's so interesting about them is that they have a super wimpy root system. So if you don't get them when they're small, they get big pretty quickly and kind of make that globe shape. And when if you just try to bend down and pick it with your hand, you'll regret it. You'll have little tiny burrs in your fingers that are hard to get out, almost like tiny slivers that you have to get out with tweezers. So the best way to do it is to use a pitchfork so that you don't compromise your skin. And you just go underneath it and using kind of the leverage of the ground, you just pop it out and it takes very little effort. And then when you flip it over and you can see the bottom side, there's just this tiny root system under this big old weed. And that is why the wind will often even blow these away like they're like a version of a tumbleweed, right? Even the wind can pull up this weed. So it's large, it's formidable, but it actually is not that strong. It doesn't have that strong of a root system and it's quite easy to root out. So in this default brain, in this unmanaged mind, these weeds are these are the thoughts that our lower brain offers us that we just indulge in and feel like maybe there aren't other choices but to think these thoughts that really don't serve us. But as soon as we start to see and believe that these thoughts are optional, that's when we get that pitchfork under there and just pop, pop it out and see that a lot of these weeds and a lot of these thoughts really don't have that strong of a root system and can easily be removed from your garden or altered or whatever it needs be. There are weeds that do have strong root systems. I'm not saying that. And there are challenging thoughts or unproductive thoughts that will take a lot more work to completely rid yourself of or to, you know, rewrite. But I think so many weeds are more like that first one I described. They look very formidable and they look very large and they look very strong and powerful. But really, once you're just aware of them and have a plan for what you want that thought to be, you can get rid of that weed quickly and easily. Another thing that happens in a default garden, in a mismanaged mind, is that you will get random great results. You'll have random flowers, random vegetables that are either growing from seeds left over from past seasons or something, you know, floating on the air found a spot to grow and thrive, right? You That'll happen even in a mismanaged mind. You'll have some productive thoughts that just come easily to you and that you didn't even have to really have a plan or work on to cultivate and get that result. And that's great. That's a great thing of a mismanaged mind to get those random results, but that can be confusing to you because if they came randomly without your direction, then it's hard for you to understand how you could create those results again. And so that is one of the kind of catch 22s of that problem is you won't believe it. You're the one that created it. You'll just think that was lucky. That just happened to you, right? And we want to know that we are the creator of all things in our life. Our thoughts are always creating our feelings, which lead to our actions and ultimately our results. And we are the creator of it all. And that's the best news ever. So another aspect of this brain running on default that you'll see is going along with the garden analogy. Since there aren't lots of plants and fruits and vegetables that were growing on purpose, there's not a lot of room for risk, like if there were to be bad weather, right? There's not many things that could get harmed because you're not growing very many things on purpose. And so, you know, very little risk, but also very little reward. And that's that what it looks like when you're living kind of that smaller life. There's fewer hard things, there's less risk. So it might seem like a more desirable, easier life. But if you're looking at that 50-50 
if you make your 50-50 that, if you make the half of your life of the 50-50 that's hard quite small, then the half of your life of the 50-50 that is great is also small. And as you let the hard get bigger and better, the great gets bigger and better too and vice versa. So one example I want to give of this before we move on to what a, an intentional resilient mind looks like is an example that I worked with on a client and I was actually working with my client and her husband. We were doing some couples coaching and they were struggling with having the same fight over and over. Different circumstances would trigger it. Different conversations would start the fight, but it would always end up in the same place with these same patterns and these same insults and this same issue. It would all come back to this root, root issue and this just same old fight playing out over and over and they were both really frustrated. And we'd been working together for a little while and they both had a plan of what they wanted to do, what they wanted to actually be arguing about and the way they wanted to argue that was more productive because arguing is not actually the problem. But having the same fight over and over and not ever getting anywhere and often throwing a lot of you know insults and, and hurting feelings in the process, that's really the problem. We can disagree, we can argue, all of that is actually great in a marriage and really healthy as long as we're doing it in a way that we're, we're on the same page and that's productive, right? That's, that's what, so they had this plan, they knew what they wanted to do and yet they watched themselves start in the plan, you know, they'd start to argue, a fight would start to come on, and then they would both kind of cue each other based on the plan we had made that they wanted to have this fight in a more productive way and not just go back to that default way of fighting, that old pattern. And usually about halfway through the fight, they, they would make it about halfway successfully on this new way they were going to do it, this new plan, and then they would kind of fall back into the old pattern by the end of the fight. And so we would talk about what how that was still a success and how, you know, it took it takes a little time to reprogram your brain. And then I use this analogy that I thought was really helpful and it's different than the garden analogy, but I feel like it applies here because I talked to them about how the reason that it felt so hard and even like exhausting to fight the new way is because they were able to fight the old way on default. It actually took very little effort. They weren't happy with the results and what they got at the end of it, but it took very little effort to fight that way. And fighting this new way took quite a bit more effort, at least initially. It wouldn't always be that way. And I compared this to fighting in your first language or fighting in your second language. So for example, if their first language is English, that's the way they're used to fighting, right? Is in English. But say they've learned a second language, but in this analogy, just like how those weeds don't have very strong roots, I told them to use the analogy of not even a second totally different language, but just a second language that's really simple and easy to learn like Pig Latin. Okay, so Pig Latin is just a silly version of English, right? With a little with a little trick in there. So if you already know English, it just takes a couple little tricks to learn Pig Latin and then it just takes a little practice to be as good at Pig Latin as it does to be as good at speaking English. And so it wasn't as if I was asking them to fight in a completely new language like Italian, right? That they had to learn every aspect of it and practice and take a long time and a ton of effort. It was just that I was asking them to fight in pig Latin. Now, obviously not literally fight in a different language, but it's what the it's the effort that their brain is putting out, right? So it is more effort than fighting in English, but not much. So their lower brain is going to say, oh, just give it up. Let's just go back to fighting in English. That's so much easier. And that's what you can do when you're on default. It feels easier. It feels better, but it doesn't serve you. And what's amazing about this is we can actually use default 
for our good at times, at, at many times. So if you're able to pull the way you fight back to the front of your brain, right? Out of that subconscious default level, we've talked about this in other episodes, do some reprogramming, practice it the new way enough times that it becomes familiar to you. That's all we're working for really is just to get that familiarity in place. And then we're able to let it go back into default. We can now fight pretty much on default in the new way because it is as familiar to us as the way we used to fight in that old pattern, in that old way that never got us any results. So anytime we're reprogramming some thoughts in our brain or getting more intentional about something that we're doing, it is more effort at first because you're going from default to intentional, which is more effort. But the good news is just like with a garden, let's go back to the garden analogy now, while a garden does take consistent and continual effort, Once you get things in place like your watering system, then you don't have to go out and water it every day. You can let the watering go to default, right? Once you get the weeds under control, they just require a little bit of maintenance. It's not like you go out every day and there's big weeds, right? So as we put in that extra effort initially, which will be harder at first and will seem harder than just being in default mode, we're then able to let those things get much simpler when they just go into maintenance mode. So now let's take a look at a managed mind, a resilient garden, an intentional brain. This garden has a plan. This garden is routinely cared for. This garden is a priority in this person's life. This garden has somebody watching for issues to come up because they will come up. In a managed mind, we don't stop having issues. We're just ready for them. We have plans in place. And if an issue comes up that we don't have a plan for, We know that nothing has gone wrong. You know, like say you get a a new bug in your garden you've never had in your garden before. You're ready for that. You're ready for an issue that you didn't, that you've never even had before because you know how to have that awareness. You know how to identify it and call it what it is. And then you know how to go look for solutions to that issue rather than saying something's gone wrong. My garden is failing. I shouldn't have to deal with these problems. This is all too much. This is too hard. I want to give up, right? None of those challenging thoughts will seem as big or valid to you if you're in this intentional, resilient, managed garden because you'll know that problems come. You'll also know that fruits come and results come. So in this planned garden, you decide ahead of time what you're wanting to create in your garden, what you're wanting to grow. And then you make a plan to make that happen. And you go buy seeds, which in my analogy are like brand new thoughts, right? Seeds that you want to plant and tend and cultivate and help to thrive and seeds that you know will create the result you're going for. I love that part of the analogy because we always talk about how our thoughts indirectly create our results through our feelings and actions in the model, right? And so it's so valuable to spend time believing, remembering and believing that our thoughts ultimately create our results. And so this part of the analogy works so well because you go and you buy a tomato seed to grow a tomato plant, right? You don't buy a tomato seed and expect an apple tree to grow, right? Your thought will create your result. And the seed you plant is how you get that end result. Also, like I mentioned in the beginning, another thing that can go along with this analogy is that 
there are seasons of life where your garden gets a little neglected and that's okay. That's just reality. That's just being human. There are seasons in your life where your garden is weed free. No troublesome thoughts that aren't serving us, right? But you're also not growing much else and that's okay too. There's seasons of life where you're just in that maintenance mode like we talked about. There's seasons of life where you're putting in tons of extra effort because you're trying to create some massive results. And then there are seasons of life where you are reaping the fruits of all of your hard work. And so to really appreciate those seasons and just let them be what they are while also planning ahead for what seasons you want to create is really awesome. I want to also point out that no two gardens are the same. And that's kind of the beautiful part of it. Gardens are unique and personal. And the beautiful thing about creating a garden is that you get to figure out what you want and do what works for you. You can look at other people's gardens and kind of pick and choose pieces that you like and look at other people's gardens and pick and choose pieces that you want to make sure not to recreate and then just go for it. Sky's the limit. You can organize it any way you want. You can try things out and some will work and some won't. Parts of your garden, parts of your efforts will fail and you'll just learn from it. You'll just realize, well, I thought I could put, you know, this fruit right next to this vegetable, but it turns out then I have this problem, right? Or then this bug comes or then they cross pollinate or whatever the problem is. And you just think, well, I'll just try again next time and know that that doesn't work for me. You can read books about gardens, just like you can read books about your brain, right? To get lots of good information and tips. You can listen to podcasts about gardens and about brains. Another great thing to remember is that there are gardening experts out there, just like there are brain experts out there, right? Life coaches are brain experts, you guys. And sometimes it takes some outside expert help to get your garden growing, to get it thriving. If you're just taking a lot of stabs in the dark, you might have some success and some failure, and that all works out just fine. But if you're wanting a little bit of guidance along the way, it's time to work with a life coach, you guys. If you're wanting to jumpstart your garden and just have tons of recipes for success, it's time to work with a life coach. And I'd be honored to be your life coach. Another thought I had is that even if a garden has been completely abandoned for who knows how long, I don't think there's ever a point where you can't bring a garden back. There's never a point where it's too far gone if you're willing to just put in the work, right? And you don't have to bring it all back in one day or even in one week or one month. You just take that first step to just bring this part of the garden back and then get this part of the garden under control. And pretty soon you've got momentum and encouragement and you're starting to see results. And all of that is harder than ignoring the garden, but it's so much better, you guys. And it really is only harder at first. Once you get systems in place, just like I was mentioning earlier, and plans in place and routines in place and habits in place, the new life you've created, the new garden you've created compared to the neglected garden is so, so, so much better. It looks so much more like the life you want it to look like and you created it. Okay, the last thought I want to leave you with is if you like gardening, and some of you do out there and some of you don't, and that's okay. If you if you don't like gardening, try to figure out an analogy like this that will work for you. But if you like gardening, you know that you don't just like the part at the end where you get to pick the vegetables, right? You like the whole process. You like getting outside every day. You like getting your hands in the dirt You like feeling proud of your work when you stand up at the end of that session of weeding or whatever it was and 
brushing your hands on your pants and seeing what you've created. You like when that little sprout comes up. You like spotting issues and problem solving them. You like learning from failures and doing it better next year. And of course, you love harvesting. We all do. Getting those delicious vegetables at the end or the fruit off the fruit trees or the beautiful flowers by our front door, whatever it is, that part's amazing too. But we hear that phrase, you know, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. And when we're struggling, that phrase can be hard to hear, but it's such a valuable lesson. It's such, such valuable advice that if we are only going to give ourselves permission to be happy at the end, when we're eating a big, fresh tomato sandwich, we're going to really struggle along the way. But when we remind ourselves that there are things to be enjoyed from every part of gardening, from every part of this human existence, from every part of managing our mind. I'm not saying every part is enjoyable, but there are enjoyable things to be found in every part. We will get to enjoy ourselves along the way. We reap that reward. We get that benefit. So that is my encouragement to you. So your mission for this episode is to just start to take a look at what is in the garden of your brain. What parts of it are running on default? What parts of it are more intentional and thriving? And once you get a handle on your assessment of what it's looking like right now, and I would highly encourage you, as I always do, to look at your brain with curiosity and love, fascination and compassion, and never with judgment. Judgment will not serve us. We need to have awareness over what our current state is so that we can decide what parts we like and want to keep and what parts we want to modify or completely redo, right? So we have to start there. We have to start with that awareness. And when we gain awareness through judgment, that does not make us want to move forward. That makes us want to stop looking. (laughs) So we need to gain that awareness through that curiosity and love. Anyway, get an idea of what your garden looks like right now and then start to plan. Start to decide what you want it to look like. Start to make some decisions and and put some plans in place. Take a little bit of action, just one piece of your garden at a time. And if you would love some help getting your garden under control, getting those weeds out, those pesky thoughts that don't serve us, getting your lower brain, the default part of your garden to a place that is serving you instead of to a place that is hurting you, then hire me as your life coach. I would love to be a part of this journey with you because there are amazing pieces at every step of this journey. And this is my favorite thing to do is to share this mission, this excitement, this adventure, and the way to do it by understanding your brain, working with your brain and becoming best friends with your brain in order to create the garden of your dreams. So I love to work with people one-on-one and I love to work with people in my resiliency training program. So go to my website and read about how you can work with me and see what would be a great fit for you. I'm going to tell you a quick hot mess moment from high school. My sister and I, I was a junior in high school and she was a senior in high school. And my family had just moved from Utah to California. We were the only two kids left at home. We're the youngest ones. And we had to move kind of suddenly to help care for my grandparents, my father's parents there in Southern California. And we started school right away, my sister and I. And we were, we, the first few days were a little rough. It's really hard to move right in the middle of high school and to have no friends. None of that feels very good. But fortunately, we had each other and we had met some people and, and you know, things were starting to come together. But after a particularly challenging day, just a few days into starting school, 
right after school, we said, let's go get some comfort food. Okay. So my sister and I, we drove to In-N-Out Burger. Now, if you've never eaten there, it's amazing. And they used to only have them like in California and Nevada, I think. But now they've, they've spread and they're in a few other states. Like they're, they're here in Utah now, which is so fun. But anyway, this was a special treat for us because we hadn't been able to eat this living in Utah. But now that we lived in California, we had this restaurant available to us. So we were like, oh, let's go get some burgers and fries and shakes and just drown our sorrows in food. Awesome, awesome technique. And so we pull into this drive through line. I'm going to see if I can explain this to you guys. And it was hot outside, I believe. And so we had our windows rolled up and we had the radio on and we were running our air conditioning and there was a line in the drive through And th- this particular drive through had two lanes so that one line you would order from your driver's side door, but then the other line you would order from your passenger side door. My kids just got home from school. So if you can hear a little commotion out there, I'm just trying to finish this up. So anyway, I know you guys will understand that. So we were in the line where we would be ordering from our passenger window and I was in the passenger seat. My sister was driving and we're just talking and singing along to the music and inching up in line, inching up in line as cars move forward. And we, without realizing it, we were just a little bit distracted. We all of a sudden looked around and realized that we had completely driven past the little speaker where you place your order for your food. Because our window had been up, we hadn't heard them talking to us and we were just both talking and distracted. So, oh my goodness, we're embarrassed. We realized what has happened. We both roll our windows down trying to figure back, figure out, oh, is it, you know, it's too far back. And we look to our left and there's some outdoor tables at this restaurant and some of the people that we've met and of course some cute boys were sitting at this table laughing at us they had watched the whole thing play out they had watched us have no idea be totally oblivious to the fact that the person at the speaker was saying what you know what can I take your order what do you want and then watch just just drive on and not place our order so the end of this story gets really good because rather than just putting our tail between our legs and eventually getting to the front of the line and driving away or getting to the front of the line and apologizing and just ordering at the window those are both the things I might have done if I had thought about it a little bit more but I was really hungry and I was kind of worried they wouldn't let us order food up at the window where they give you the food so I get out of the car and I walk back in front of these people who are were wanting to be our friends at school right um and these cute boys and I walk back to where another car is ordering and I say, you know, excuse me, I'm sorry. You know, if you're done, they were done ordering. I said, can I place my order really quick? And I kind of yell into the speaker. I say, hey, sorry, we're in that green Jeep. We're the ones that drove past without ordering. And they said, oh yeah, we were wondering what happened there, you know. Anyway, super awesome, super embarrassing. This is who I am, you guys. So I yell my order into this speaker. The kids at the table are still laughing at us. Like not rudely, but just kind of like, I don't know. Anyway, we ended up being friends with all of them and it was fine, but it still was just one of those days that just got kind of worse and worse. So I get back in the car with my sister. We pull up to the window. They hand us our food. We pay all the things and we drive away just a little bit mortified, but also so happy to have our food. And every time we go through a drive through together, we just make a little reference to that story of, you know, don't roll your window up. Don't forget, don't forget to order. You know, we'll just make a little reference to that story because it was so funny and so embarrassing and so unforgettable. So that is the hot mess moment I wanted to share with you guys today. Are you ready to take what you are learning here to the next level? Then join me for resiliency training. This is my monthly coaching program that includes a private coaching session with me each month, along with weekly content and individual email support. Start anytime for just $100 a month and continue at that rate as desired with no obligation. 
We can all use a little help sometimes to get through the difficulties of military life, and that's exactly the boost this program will give you. Sign up on my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.